I'm Joe Dawson Gerard, and this time on Back Your People, I'm talking to Heather Lunny about the recent changes to holiday entitlement and holiday pay calculations. We look at the guidance, go through some calculations, and have a chat about some of the issues surrounding these. If you like this podcast, please rate and review and hit follow. And as ever, thanks so much for listening. So we had a request from one of our podcast listeners asking whether we'd be prepared to talk about the plethora of new rules that are going to apply to holidays and holiday pay. Now, for those of you that aren't aware, the government has introduced reforms to apparently simplify holiday entitlement and holiday pay calculations. And they've done this by making changes to the working time regulations. And these were introduced on the 1st of January 2024. There is some guidance on this, and it's actually really good, isn't it, Heather? It is, yeah. They've got lots of working examples that you can look through to understand it better. So I'll put that in the show notes. But the main principle, is it is still quite complicated. So we've tried to keep it simple. And Heather, what changes can we look forward to seeing? So, Joe, there's been a number of changes. And to give you a headline overview, they have defined irregular hours workers and part years workers. They've introduced a method to calculate statutory holiday entitlement for irregular hours and part year workers. They have introduced rolled up holiday pay as an alternative method to calculating holiday They've also made changes to the definition of a week's pay for holiday pay calculations and some changes to carryover rules for holidays too. So as you can see, there's there's a number of changes to go through. Gosh, that's quite a lot, isn't it? Well, let's crack on. For one, workers who are not irregular hours or part year workers, I understand there's no change to how their statutory holiday entitlement is accrued. And that will continue as it currently does for full time, part time staff, etc., Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. So your existing sort of permanent staff won't be affected by the new accrual rules for calculating holiday entitlement. Okay. The first thing on your list was irregular hours and part year work. So I assume, well, for me at least, it's important to understand what are irregular hour workers or part year workers. It'll be key for employers who will be identifying which of their workers are going to fall into these categories. Can you help us with that? Basically, both sets of workers have now been defined in the legislation. We'll start off with irregular hours workers. So what they've said is an irregular hours worker is someone whose hours in each pay period, which is effectively the frequency of pay, are wholly or mostly variable under the terms of a contract. If I can give you a straightforward example, you've got a driver who works a number of different hours each week. He would qualify as an irregular hours worker if his contract says that the hours he works will be wholly or mostly variable in each pay period. And generally, this type of contract will be what people will be familiar with as a casual contract or a zero hours contract where there's no specified hours and they will just work the hours that are required each week or month. What about an employee who, for example, has a rotating two week shift pattern where he works, say, 15 hours in week one and maybe 20 hours in week two and does not work overtime? Would he qualify? No, he wouldn't qualify because his contracted hours are effectively fixed during both week one and week two. So whilst they're different, they are fixed. And given he doesn't work any overtime, 
it's not the case that his hours would be deemed wholly or mostly variable. Instead, his hours are fixed. He's just working a rotating shift pattern. So what's a part year worker then, Heather? So the second definition that they've provided in relation to a part year worker is effectively someone who is only required to work part of the year under the contract and who has periods within the year of at least one week where they're not required to work and they're not paid. So this will include part-year workers who may have fixed hours. For example, a teaching assistant who only works during term time and who are only paid when working. Another example might be a seasonal worker in, say, the farming industry who only works and gets paid during the spring and summer months, for example. That worker would qualify as a part-year worker because her contract will reflect those periods of time of at least a week or more than a week when they're not contracted to work and don't receive any pay. Okay, what about term time workers? Uh, Maybe in the coaching sector, for example, their pay is probably annualised and annualised and maybe paid at a flat rate salary over 12 months. How does it work for them? Now, they wouldn't qualify, they wouldn't fall within the definition of a part-year worker because whilst there's periods where they're not working, there's no weeks in which they don't get paid. So if you have term-time workers whose pay is annualised, then they wouldn't qualify under this definition. Right, so now we've got a bit of an understanding about what the irregular hours workers and part-year workers are. Let's get to the (laughs) nitty-gritty. What's the new calculation methods? These new calculation methods will apply for leave years beginning on or after the 1st of April 2024. So it's important to know, I guess, that if your holiday year is January to December, these won't take effect until the 1st of January 2025. But there's essentially two methods of dealing with holiday entitlement now for those defined workers. So your irregular hours or your part year workers. So the first method is a new holiday entitlement system, providing that holidays will accrue based on 12.07% of the hours worked by an individual in the previous pay reference period. So the 12.07% will be familiar, I think, to many employers who have had casual or zero hours workers, because historically, that calculation was used by them and and for some still is but that effectively ended with a series of cases and and the ultimate one being the Harper Trust case which I think we've discussed on on previous webinars which effectively said that part-year workers shouldn't have holiday prorated and should still receive 5.6 weeks full entitlement which seemed odd because they weren't working all year. So this change is effectively a deliberate reversal of that decision. And it effectively means that for both irregular hours and part-year workers, employers can now legitimately calculate holiday accrual in hours rather than weeks. And holiday will accrue on the last day of each pay period. So whether that's a week or a month at the rate of 12.07% of actual hours worked in that period. So can you give us a quick example of how statutory pay entitlement is accrued then, please? Yes. So if I try and keep it simple, so you've got an employee who is an irregular hours worker, they're paid monthly, 
Halevia starts on the 1st of April 24 and she's entitled to statutory minimum holiday entitlement only. So if, for example, in June she worked 68 hours, to work out how much holiday she'd accrued in June, you'd simply calculate 68 hours times 12.07%. That is rounded up or down to the nearest hours, which I've done the calculation job beforehand. It comes out at eight hours. So for the month of June, they will have accrued eight hours holiday. I mentioned rounding hours up or down. So when you do the calculation, the hours can be rounded down to zero if it's less than 30 minutes or rounded up to an hour if it's 30 minutes or more. And essentially what it means is workers will build up a pot of accrued holiday and they'll be able to take that holiday and be paid for it when it's taken throughout the year. The pay that they receive will be calculated at a rate of a week's pay for each week's holiday that's taken or each period of holiday that's taken in the same way as we do now, which we'll come on to a bit later. Wow, Heather, I think it's a cold flannel on my forehead moment. I'm so <laughs> glad I'm not an employment lawyer. It is complicated, but actually, if you think of it simply, in that example I just gave you, if you're looking at a, you know, a month or a week, you just simply do the calculation based on whatever hours they've worked in that period. Simple holiday pay calculation, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> so the big question for me, though, is, is the 12.07% fixed or does it ever change? The 12.07% is calculated based on the 5.6 weeks or 28 days statutory minimum entitlement. Now, if an employer offers more holiday contractually, so, for instance, employers might say that they offer six weeks holiday or 30 days. That percentage will need to be adjusted to provide for that because you can't treat them less favourably than your permanent staff. So, again, I've done the calculation beforehand. <laughs> the, the percentage would come out at 13.04%. So, that's what the employer would use. So, if an employer is in that situation with contractual, they'll just need to do a calculation based on their actual holiday entitlement. And the guidance notes that you've put in the show notes gives an example as to how to do that. And uh, joy of joy, I think you mentioned at the beginning there was more than one method of calculation. <laughs> What's the other one, please, Heather? So there's another option, which is the right for employers, if they want to use it, to implement rolled up holiday pay. And again, this might be familiar to many companies who historically preferred to use rolled up holiday and effectively roll it up into basic pay for those workers who work sporadically and would not naturally book and take holiday because by virtue of the fact that they weren't working all the time. There was a case in 2006 which effectively deemed rolled up holiday pay unlawful albeit many employers did continue to use it as a system sort of on a commercial practical basis. So what the government have done is they've effectively reintroduced it as an option only for irregular and part-year workers. Now, they did consider whether they would apply it to everybody, but they haven't. They've limited it to those two that we defined at the beginning. Basically, what it means, if an employer elects to use this method they will need to apply an uplift, again, using the 12.07%. 
to the workers pay for work done in a pay period instead of being paid at the time when holiday is taken. So they'll receive holiday pay regardless of whether they take holiday or not because there will be periods when they're not working. They have specified that it does need to be set out separately on a worker's pay slip and that the system of making payments should be clear and transparent. So it is an option. And if employers intend to start using rolled up holiday pay, they'd probably want to be checking the worker's contract because it potentially amounts a variation of contract, which they'll need to deal with. And they should also be telling their employers if they intend to start using rolled up holiday pay and that, you know, the payment will be clearly marked as a separate item on the pay slip. It's important to note that if you were looking at implementing this method, it can sort of disincentivize workers from actually taking holiday. So it's important that employers still encourage them to take their entitled annual leave when they can or make sure they've got periods when they are off work, albeit they will already have received the holiday pay in each pay period. So in summary, employers will be able to choose from the two new systems, either accrual at the 12.07% of hours worked, which is taken and paid for when taken, or they can pay holiday pay as rolled up holiday pay, adding an uplift of 12.07% of pay received in a pay period. That's correct, Joe. Well summarised. And I think for most, this will be a really welcome and sort of pragmatic approach going forward for those employees that you've got on zero hour casual or part year contracts, because, you know, it has been difficult to sort of identify what methods to use and how to deal with holiday and holiday pay over the last few years. So now if I can throw a bit of a spanner in the works, what about workers have periods of absence through the year? So the things I'm thinking of might be maternity leave or long-term sickness. So effectively, in those situations, the percentage calculation will be unworkable. So what the guidance sets out is that for workers who are on sick leave or statutory leave, maternity or any other sort of family-related leave, Holiday entitlement will be calculated by reference to a 52-week reference period. What that will allow is for employers to review and work out an average of hours worked across that period to effectively work out what period of leave should be deemed to have accrued during the period of absence. So again, it complicates it slightly, but what I would suggest is as we said at the beginning, there is really good worked examples in in the guidance if you've got or if you find yourself in that situation. If you've got a worker who receives rolled up holiday pay, who are on long-term sick or maternity or family-related leave, again, the rolled up holiday pay will be calculated according to the average amount of earnings during a 52-week pay reference period. So as you can appreciate, Joe, it's, it's quite a complex calculation for the purposes of this podcast and trying to explain it. So if anyone is in that situation, I'd probably suggest they take some advice or a starting point would be the guidance note. I bet we get quite a few backup members ringing about that, mm. don't we? Always yes. Maybe. So moving on to the next change now, can you talk us through the changes to the definition of a week's pay for holiday pay, please? 
Yeah, so they've made some changes to the definition of a week's pay, and this applies across the board. So this isn't just to those two new definitions that they've they've created. Okay. And really, sort of calculating holiday pay has been an area of contention for some time now. There's been a series of cases both in the UK and the EU considering things like whether commission, overtime, bonuses, etc. should be included when calculating holiday pay. And the principle being that when employees take leave, they shouldn't suffer financially. And I think everybody's got the head around that now from all the various cases that have come out. So broadly, the regulations simply confirm what the case laws previously set out. And what they provide is that holiday pay for the first four weeks of statutory holiday pay for all full year workers must be calculated based on a worker's normal rate of pay. So that's going to include things like commission payments that are intrinsically linked to performance, payments for professional or personal status, and payments such as overtime payments, which are regularly paid to a worker in the 52 weeks preceding the calculation date. So as, as I said, I think most sort of operators will be familiar with that principle by now. This just legislates for it. The remaining 1.6 weeks or eight days can still be paid at basic rate of pay. However, workers who are irregular hours or part-year workers will effectively have all their statutory holiday entitlement paid at a rate based on their average pay over the 52 weeks. But what if an employee doesn't have 52-week service? So you would go back as far as the employment history goes, essentially. So, for example, if they've got 20-week service, you would go back 20 weeks and work out an average. Okay. Well, I assume by nature of their roles, there'll be weeks when there are also no earnings. What happens with them? There will be for you irregular hours workers. What you effectively do is you ignore that week from the calculation. The legislation provides that you can go back up to a maximum of 104 weeks until you have 52 weeks when pay is actually received to give you an actual average. So I also understand that there's been changes made to the right to carry leave over. What's that all about, please, Heather? (laughs) So the carryover rules, normally workers can carry forward a maximum of eight days into the next leave year by agreement with their employer if they haven't been taken. And rights in relation to carryover in other circumstances have previously been set out under EU case law. It's been harder, really, for employers to understand and enforce in practice. So they've now codified that in UK law. So from the 1st of January this year, workers will be able to carry over up to 28 days leave into the following year if they've been on maternity or other family-related leave. If a worker's been on sick leave, they can now carry forward up to 20 days as long as it's taken within 18 months from the end of the leave year in which it was accrued. If an employer refuses to pay a worker the holiday entitlement, they've now got the right to carry it over. If an employer has failed to give a worker the reasonable opportunity to take holiday or has failed to encourage them to do so, they can carry over their leave. And finally, where an employer fails to inform the worker 
the untaken holiday will be lost at the end of the year. They can now carry it forward. So I think practically you want to ensure that your contracts cover the fact that they have a holiday entitlement. If they don't take it within the year, they lose it. And also a caveat to that would be unless you're on sick leave or maternity leave. So most of our contracts actually deal with that now. It's another change that they've introduced to sort of tie in all the various different case law that's happened over the last few years. Brilliant. I'm actually starting to understand um, how <laughs> carryover leave works now. Now, I know the era of COVID affected holiday for most is becoming a bit of a distant memory, isn't it? But I also, I was under the impression that it was something about that that's been clarified. Is that right? It is, Joe. Yeah. So also from the 1st of January, workers can no longer accrue COVID carryover leave. So if you remember during COVID, if they weren't permitted or weren't able to take the leave because of the pandemic, they were able to carry that forward into the next two leave years. What the new legislation effectively says is that any COVID carryover leave accrued prior to the 1st of January this year must be used before the 31st of March 2024. Otherwise, it's lost. And finally, have you got any practical tips for employers in the light of the changes? <laughs> yeah, I think the the main practical tip, it's important that employers ensure that they correctly assess the status and working arrangements of all the workers. I would suggest reviewing the definitions of irregular hours workers and part years workers, along with their existing contracts of employment to identify those who might fall under the new calculation methods and, if necessary, make changes to contracts to reflect that. And I think, finally, ensuring that you've got systems and documents in place that communicate to employees the right to take holiday, encouraging employees to access holidays throughout the year, explaining that it will be lost if it's not taken. That's not only to ensure you know, employers are compliant with the regulations. But the whole purpose of holiday is to enable workers to rest, you know, and ensure they're able to maintain performance levels and, you know, they're properly rested. It's a health and safety issue at the end of the day, isn't it? So I think those would be my practical tips, yeah. So we've covered a lot of ground in, in that short time, slightly longer than we normally do because it's, I think the changes are so important and actually they're quite comprehensive I feel I need a holiday myself after that. <laughs> but if anyone has any queries about holiday pay obviously backup members can ring Heather and speak to her for free that's included in their membership Heather is here for everybody and the rest of the team we have quite a vast employment team transport focused so please give us a call and thanks for your time Heather thanks Joe.